Welcome to Simply Jesus Podcast. One way or the other, that home is critical to anything that God's going to do in and through our lives. Our homes have got to be in order. They've got to be a place where the presence of God is welcome. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make His paths straight. Every ravine will be filled and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight and the rough road smooth. It's a blessing to be with you. I'm going to do something a little unconventional. The Lord's putting it on my heart that we uh, get in pairs. Now, some of you are already kind of in threesomes. But I want us to stand up for a moment. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit in and we're going to pray for that that person next to us. As, as my brother Roger was sharing, uh, the word that was coming to my mind for you was hope. <laughs> and that as you have been titled Hope Community Church, it shouldn't be surprising that the enemy would want to target that particular element of what has drawn you together. Uh, that the enemy would like nothing more than for you to lose hope because you stand out as a testimony of hope to this region. And you've laid your lives down in prayer for this region. Some of you have done things that others have not. And maybe it was unrecognized at times. And I believe that the enemy has tried to target your hope. And so tonight we're going to pray for a restoration of hope. We're going to believe even in this moment that as we're praying, that the living God that we serve is going to usher in a renewed hope in this room. So as as I'm praying, I'm encouraging you to just pray for that person next to you. That the Lord would infuse them with His living hope. Lord Jesus, Son of the living God, we welcome you into this room tonight. We welcome you to breathe in hope. The hope of the living God. The hope of our salvation. The hope of a new life in you. Lord, we're asking that your hope would come in and lay hold of our hearts. That our hearts would be stirred once again this evening to lay hold of everything that you have destined for our lives as individuals in our marriages, with our children, in this community, in this church family. That we would not lose sight of the words that you've spoken to us over the years. There are promises that have been given even in this very room from this very pulpit. There have been promises that have been given from the living God and we have not yet seen the fulfillment of them. But we're asking you tonight to rekindle hope in our hearts. That we would not look with our natural eyes to see what you're doing, but we would look to you. You are the one who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. We set our eyes on you this evening, Lord Jesus. We welcome you into this room. We welcome you into our lives. We welcome you into the life of that person that we're praying for right now. We're asking that you would infuse hope into their life. Any way in which the enemy of our souls has sought to come against them to rob them of their hope to rob them of their joy, to rob them of their peace. Lord, we come against that now in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask that You would uproot and remove every lie, every deception, every way in which the enemy of their souls has sought to bring them captive, has sought to make them and bring them into slavery. We come against every lie and we speak forth Your truth that there is hope, there is life, there is an eternal hope in You that cannot be stolen. 
stolen from us. There is nothing that the enemy can do to take this hope away from us. Because our hope in You is secure. We have founded our hope on the rock. You are the rock of our salvation. And You cannot be moved. Though we may be able to be pushed, though we may fall down and stumble, we are standing on the rock. And You are the one who picks us up back onto our feet again. You are the one who comes alongside us and puts Your arm around us and encourages us. Keep going, my son. Keep going, my daughter. It's not over yet. The race is not over yet. There is still more to be done. There is still more that I have destined for your life. There is still a reason why you have breath in your body tonight. There is still a purpose and a destiny that I have for you. Do not look at it with your natural mind. But look to Me and allow Me to give you My visions. Allow Me to give you My understandings. Allow Me to give you My heart and My desires. You are here on this earth for a purpose. Your hope has not been stolen from you. Your hope is in Me. Lord Jesus, we ask that You would release a renewed hope tonight. Every way that the enemy has sought to... I still feel there are some of us, those lies of the enemy are still trying to sit there. They're still trying to hang on us. We give them just in your heart right now, give every lie, every way in which the enemy has sought to rob you of your hope, of your joy, of the life that Jesus Christ shed His blood to purchase for you. It was a life of abundance He came to give us. It was not a life of misery. It was not a life uh, where we would have to live under condemnation. It was not a life where we had to live under bondage and enslaved by anything. We have freedom in Jesus Christ here tonight. We need not have one area of our lives that lives in any form of bondage. The fear of man. Uproot the fear of man in our lives. We do not submit to the fear of man. We submit to the living God. We invite You to have Your way, Lord. We desire You to have Your way this night, Lord. We do not need just another service. And we do not need to listen to another man. We want to hear from You. We want to hear what is on Your heart for us tonight. We're inviting You to come and to have Your way. Speak to our hearts this evening. Speak to our hearts. We want to hear from You, Holy Spirit. We want to be released into Your purposes. Lord, I thank You for this church family. I thank You for the love that we have for one another here in this room. I thank You for the self-sacrifice that has gone in this room. I believe that the Lord would have us bring to Him any woundedness that we may feel with any other member in this, either who is in the room here tonight or who may not be here tonight but is somehow connected or has been connected to this church family. Lord, we want to bring to You any woundedness that we may have in our hearts towards any other member of Your body This isn't our body. This is your body. And you say that every part is vital. Even those that have hurt us. Even those that have wounded us. Even those that it's felt to us as though we've been stabbed in the back. Either verbally or through their actions. Things that they've done. People that we trusted. And then they turned around and did something that was unchristlike. Lord, we ask that you would give us your heart for those people. I ask even right now for an impartation of the heart of the living God for those people. Because even while you were on the cross, you said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. They were mocking you, spitting on you, scourging you. And, and, and rejoicing in the fact that you are being brutally murdered. And yet, in that place, 
you still love them. So we're asking for an impartation of that love in our lives. We bring those, some of you even may have faces of that person or people in your mind right now. We want to give those people to the Lord. And we want to pray a blessing on their lives. We do not want to bring a curse on their life. We want to pray the the blessing of God over their lives. That He would bring them to a place in Him where they have a depth of communion with Him. If there was anything we saw in them that was unchristlike, it was because apart from Him, we are nothing. Apart from Him, all of us in this room are nothing. And we cannot do one thing apart from Him that is of true good and of true love. So we're asking, Lord Jesus, that You would connect them to You any way in which they have been harmful to our lives. Lord, we pray that they would have a deeper connection with You and that out of that deeper connection that they would begin to experience the life of the living God flowing in them and through them and that they would begin to be a blessing in any way in which there needs to be forgiveness from our side to them or their side to us. Lord, that You would bring restoration in those relationships. We give You praise and we give You thanks. You're the one who says in Your Word that You fitted us together in this body. You fitted us perfectly together. Each of us has a role and a function to play. Even a pinky finger, if it's wounded, affects the whole of our body. And though we might feel like we're just a pinky finger tonight, we're vital. We're vital to what God's wanting to do here in this church family. We're vital to what God's wanting to do here in this region. And if we can have faith to believe it, we are literally vital to what the living God is wanting to do across the earth right now. Every last one of us has a role to play in the global purposes of God. And so we are important in Christ. We have an important role to play. Every last one of us. From the oldest to the youngest. Thank you, Lord. As long as we have breath in our bodies, there is hope. There is hope. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. We really don't want just another servant. We really do want You. You are a good God. You are a faithful God. If you can, just worship Him in your heart. You are a good God, a faithful God. You have been with us through everything that we have walked through. But I thank You that there has not been one point that You've given up on me. I have been weak. I have grown weary. I have turned back at times. And yet You did not give up on me. You continued to pursue me. You continued to lovingly come and even embrace me and lift me up out of my darkness out of the lies that the enemy had sought to entangle me with. You are a God who liberates. You are a God who sets the captives free. These are not merely words in the book that we read. These are a reality in our lives. You have come to set the captives free. We give You praise and we give You thanks. Changing a region is not too hard for You. Changing a nation is not too hard for You. You have not given up on America. There is still breath in this nation. There is still breath in this nation. Just as there is breath in our bodies, there is still breath in this nation. There is still hope. And that hope has continued to be You. And so we come in faith tonight, Lord. And if if a nation is not too great for You, then anything we're facing in our families is not too great for You. Anything that we're facing in our individual lives is not too great for You. We come with a great expectation. Lord, I ask that we would have an expectant faith in You tonight. 
an expectant faith in you tonight that will not diminish, no matter what our circumstances try to get us to believe, that our faith and our hope and our confidence would remain fixed in you. That we will not go on a roller coaster ride where we hitch our hope and our faith to our emotions or our circumstances. We unhook ourselves from circumstances, from the people around us, from our emotions, and we hook our hope and our faith in You. You are steady. You are rock solid. And You do not rise and fall. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We give You praise and we give You thanks. Our hope in You is secure. Amen. Let's just give the Lord a a hand clap for what, what He has done in our lives. He is a good and He is a faithful God. Amen. Amen. I just want to remain out of His way tonight. In the preparation for tonight, there are probably three or more different messages. And I'm just saying, Lord, only You know what needs to be shared here tonight. And even as we were praying earlier, uh, I just really felt the Lord hone in on that word hope. And that He wants to bring forth hope, a a refreshment of our souls, a refreshment of hope that we would believe Him for great and mighty things. You know, God is moving across the nations right now. Uh, The ministry that I am connected with... at the international level. It's called World Trumpet Mission. It's based out of Uganda, Africa. It was birthed out of a very difficult and desperate situation. Some of you may be familiar with that. Has anyone in here seen the transformations video? Any clips from that? See some hands. Uh, Basically what they did is they went in and they documented what God was doing in the nation of Uganda. And really... What happened was the Lord used somebody who was broken over his nation. You know, God can use even one person to turn a nation. We, we know that from the Word, but He can even do it in our day. And this, this particular gentleman was burdened. His name's John Melinda, and he was burdened to go deep in prayer and fasting by the Lord. The Lord inspired him to have a season of time set apart to seek God. And during that time frame, the Lord began to speak to him that he could turn the whole nation around as long as he was obedient to everything that God asked of him. And step by step, he was obedient to the things that the Lord put in front of him. Step by step. One of the key things that the Lord led him to do was he gave him a very detailed prophetic word and said, I want you to share this with the president of the nation. And that would be kind of like me attempting to call the White House and say, I've got something very important, President Obama, and I need to get through to you by tonight because I've got a word for you. And basically weeks, months went by, no response. And the Lord called them into an extended fast. And it was during the fast that the Lord spoke to them and said, I will open up every door in this nation. You won't even have to knock. I will do it myself if you will simply follow through on what I've asked of you in the area of prayer, in the area of prayer and fasting. And as they were obedient to that, God began to open the doors. And sure enough, they got a phone call from the state house, first lady's ready to come and see you. And uh, what was interesting is the Lord led them to actually turn down the invitation. <laughs> they had been planning for a long period of time a pastor's gathering. 
And it just so happened that the pastor's gathering and the first ladies calling them to come were at the exact same time frame. And they said, okay, Lord, we need to go into prayer. Which one do we go with? Do we go with the president or do we go with the pastors? And the Lord said, stick with the pastors. And so they went in, they shared with the other pastors, and the pastor said, what are you thinking? We've been praying for this for years. We would have understood. Why did you turn it down? And they're thinking, did we miss the Lord? Uh, but the Lord confirmed that they had heard from him because within a very short period of time they got another phone call from the state house come we're ready Uh, long story short he went he shared this with the first lady she broke down in tears she said this is of the lord i will do whatever i need to do for this to spread around the nation and from that point forward it began to open one door after the next from the government to the business to the educational system the gospel began to spread around the nation Then, I'm cutting a very long story short, but part of the reason in sharing it is hope. There is hope for our nation. The the nation I'm talking about is a nation that has had an Islamic dictatorship. The only safe place for the Christians to gather was out in the jungles at night. There would be no gathering in a facility like this. We would all be uh, seriously risking our lives. Because what had happened was, they were not paying their troops. They, They would essentially... Uh, the dictator at the time said to his his troops, I'm not going to pay you any money. You guys have guns. You know what to do. And essentially loosed the military on the general population. And as they were, they would come in the way they, the people that lived during that time frame would describe these trucks rolling into the village. And as they would come into the village, uh, people would just literally start running as fast and as far as you could because they would come in and kill, rape, and loot and leave that village devastated and then move on. And so this was the state of things. And the Lord into that situation through prayer, through fasting, through unity in the body of Christ, that was another thing that began to happen, began to realize, you know, hey, wait a minute, we're out in the jungle praying and... This person is evangelical, this person is charismatic, and uh, this person's Methodist, Presbyterian, whatever it might be. But uh, they're praying to Jesus, and I'm praying to Jesus, and the only thing we have are these vines surrounding us. Maybe we should link arms and pray together. And sure enough, I began to realize that some of the things that we thought were so important were not so important. And some of the things that we had justified as keeping us divided were not worth it when push comes to shove. And so out of that desperation, and they called it travailing prayer, but there was a, a travailing prayer, a crying out to the living God. And in the midst of that crying out to God, God began to answer one, one situation after the next, after the next. And through that, God developed in them the faith to believe that if God could do that in Uganda, God could do that anywhere. God could do that anywhere in the world. And I'm going to give you one other quick testimony. And these are, once again, just to inspire faith before we go into the Word. The second testimony I'm going to share with you is from the nation of Taiwan. The Lord challenged them, Okay, you've seen me do this in the nation of Uganda. Can you believe that I could do it anywhere else? And they had tried in various places around the world and seen some success. But now the Lord was challenging them, Can you believe me to do this somewhere else? 
And as they sought the Lord in prayer on it, he identified the nation of Taiwan to them. It's a relatively small nation. It's approximately one-third to about half the size of just the state of Florida. So it's not a large geographic area. There are many people in it. I think it's 20-some million, but it's a relatively small geographic region. They began to partner with just a handful of pastors in Taiwan, and they just said, would you be willing to pray together and work together and do whatever it took to see a breakthrough in this nation? And they selected four cities, and they just tried to get ten pastors in each city that would commit to that. I'm sharing this with you because this is one of the things we're seeking to do in our region. What ended up happening, very fast forward, this is three and a half years in about a minute or two, (laughs) but they began to see the other pastors coming on board. More and more pastors saying, you know what, I'm tired of doing my own thing. And, And they were divided like we are here. They had very real divisions and they hadn't been working with each other for different reasons. And yet God began to unite their hearts. And this was their strategy. It's very simplistic. One, seek personal revival for myself. If I am a believer in Jesus Christ, then my life should be on fire for God. And what they were finding was many, though they had at one point in time experienced uh, living fire within them, it had begun to grow cold. And throughout time, the religious system began to squeeze out that fire. And they began to go into a place of just being apathetic in their faith. And that apathy led them to be very ineffective in their witness, because who wants (laughs) a dull melancholy faith. It wasn't breaking through. No one was hungering for the living Christ because they weren't seeing Him manifesting Himself through the living body, through the church. But as God began to stir, and it wasn't overnight, but God just began to bring in a wind of His Spirit. Many of you, I I know being connected with this ministry, I've probably been reading and praying about revival for a long time because I know that's part of the heartbeat here. But they began to experience not just what they were reading in books, but it began to become a living reality where the Holy Spirit began to breathe on them and began to inspire them to seek Him like they had not sought Him before. And that was the key. God began to give them a hunger for His Spirit. He began to place within them a hunger and a desire for Him that had grown cold. It began to be rekindled. And then in their families, they began to say, God, we want to seek You in our homes. We want to see our marriages begin to be set on fire for You. That as we as a husband and wife come together in prayer, that we begin to see God transform our home, transform our children's lives. Those of you who have grandchildren, transform our grandchildren's lives. That the homes began to become a place where the presence of God was welcomed. Everything that was not of Him was removed from the homes and everything that was of Him began to be brought in. From worship and prayer and the Word being read. I had the privilege of experiencing this when I was in Uganda. I stayed in the home of a A businessman there, a very busy international traveling businessman. But in spite of his busy schedule, every night they would spend hours in the Word and in worship and in prayer together as a family. And they had, it must have been close to 10 children, ages in the 20s on down to maybe 6, 7. So, I mean, they had this 
very wide age range. How could you sit down and have an extended time seeking God as a family with that kind of age range? But every single morning and every single night, they were seeking the living God in that home. And they were drawing His presence. And there are testimony after testimony of even Muslims coming up. Excuse me, what are you doing in your home? And they say, uh, well, we're worshiping Jesus. He said, I don't know what it was, but I just felt just drawn to your home. Can I come in? And then sitting down and participating and watching the living God manifest Himself and then coming to Christ. Uh, those, Some of those now even being missionaries for Christ as a result of homes that were willing to do this. This began to spread across the nation of Taiwan to where they would have meetings where hundreds of people would be there. And the main thing that they were doing was simply having one testimony after another. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Maybe we could do it tonight. But wouldn't it be wonderful in a city-level gathering that you could have hundreds of people just coming up saying, this is what God's doing in our family as we've implemented this. This is what God's doing with our children as we've implemented this. It began to solidify the body of Christ in the region. The families being... You know, the enemy is after our families in this nation. He has pinpoint targeted the family unit in this nation. He is after it seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. That's right. He knows it's the bedrock of society. If he can uproot and destroy the home, then he's got us right in... It's like the sweet spot. (laughs) It's a sweet spot for the Lord or a sweet spot for the enemy. One way or the other, that home is critical to anything that God's going to do in and through our lives. Our homes have got to be in order. They've got to be a place where the presence of God is welcomed. And they've got to be... Because we need that. Each of us needs that solid foundation to then go out and be effective in whatever field of labor He's called us to. And so they began to see that spread. And then the final thing was they then saw it now going out into the marketplace. And they began to see one business after another beginning to implement what they call marketplace prayer altars. But basically, all believers of different denominations coming together on behalf of their place of work to believe God to come in and to break in and to bring victory and change. Many salvations. There's one testimony that in Taipei alone, they've seen a percentage of Christians jump from 4% to 10%. That's several hundred thousand people coming to Christ. It wasn't as a result of an event. It was because of the lifestyle of the body of Christ in the region. They began to unite. The believers started allowing God to bring revival to their lives, to their families, and out into the marketplace. Amen? We're going to look tonight in the book of... We're going to start in the book of Luke. Because right now, it's not just happening in Uganda, it's not just happening in Taiwan. There is a global movement right now that the Lord is seeking to raise up a generation that is going to be a forerunning for the return of Jesus Christ. He is desiring... It's not going to be... I don't believe it's going to be just one man like John the Baptist. It's literally going to be an army of John the Baptist (laughs) that are preparing the way for the Lord. We are preparing the way for the Lord in our hearts. We're preparing the way of the Lord in our homes. We're preparing the way of the Lord wherever sphere of influence that the Lord has given to us. We're in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to move fairly quickly. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 13. But the angel said to him, 
He's speaking to Zechariah. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Over in Luke 3, we're continuing to look at the life of John the Baptist very briefly. Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. And he came into all the district around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make His paths straight. Every ravine will be filled and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight and the rough road smooth. And all flesh will see the salvation of God. Thank you for joining us today. Other Simply Jesus resources are available online at www.simplyjesusonline.com That's three words, simplyjesusonline.com